Okay, folks, buckle up. We're going to talk about the most exciting and thrilling topic of all time, sleep. That's right, folks. We're going to do a deep dive into the world of slumber and discover the secrets of the Sandman. You'll learn why getting enough sleep is crucial for your health, your happiness, and even your longevity. So put on your pajamas, snuggle up with your favorite pillow, and get ready to have your mind blown with the power of sleep. Because let's face it, if you're not sleeping, you're just not living. So let's get ready for some serious shut-eye. And remember, sleep is not for the weak, it's for the healthy and the strong. Hello and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Show. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm the founder of The Silver Edge, and our mission is to help you build and maintain a lean, healthy body that you love for the rest of your life. So you can show up in the second half of your life as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself. We have a great show for you today. Devin Burke is here, and he's going to help us optimize our sleep so we can win the day. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Ned. Ned makes the world's best natural remedies. They're probably best known for their full line of full-spectrum CBD products, which are beyond organic. Their hemp is actually biodynamically grown just for them. Now, with the wild rise in popularity of CBD products these days, there are tons of options in the marketplace. But if you want to be 100% sure that you are getting the finest available CBD, definitely check these guys out. Now, that being said, they have a full line of sleep products, and I am madly in love with their magnesium product. It's called Mellow. It helps me de-stress and it optimizes my sleep, and it's a part of my pre-bed routine every single night. So if you're interested in learning more, head over to silveredgepartners.com and click on the Ned icon. And because you're a listener of this show, you can save 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code SILVEREDGE at checkout. That's SILVEREDGE all run together, no spaces. Okay, enough of that. Let's get on with today's show. guest today is Devin Burke. Devin is the best-selling author of The Sleep Advantage. He's the founder of the Sleep Science Academy and one of the top health and sleep coaches in the world. As a speaker and a coach, he has inspired thousands of people to open their eyes to what is possible through creating new sleep, health, and performance habits and routines. I started our conversation by asking Devin how he became interested in the subject of sleep. I don't have sleep issues. Most people are like, have this, you know, they get into something because of their own pain. It was actually from someone else. I was working with a lot of high-performing entrepreneurs, business owners, and as you can imagine, a lot of them were having sleep issues. And so I had studied a lot of different things, never really paid attention to sleep. Studied nutrition, exercise physiology, a lot of different psychologies, mindfulness. And so when someone reached out for help with sleep, I said, well, let me let me see what I, what's available. And what I found was sleeping pills. And... I never really understood how important sleep was because I'm a good sleeper. And so when I started to really understand the science of sleep and how essential and important it is to every aspect of our life, that got me really interested in it. And then I went down the rabbit hole and here we are five years later, putting the people to sleep. (laughs) Right on. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Putting them to sleep and yeah, and not just putting them to sleep, but working with them to have optimal sleep, right? We're going to unpack all of that. Before we actually dig into sleep and how we might optimize our sleep in order to win the day, so to speak, let's let's back up a little bit. In the intro of your book, you talk a little bit about the danger zone. Would you mind elaborating a little bit on that? Because I think it kind of ties into the, your intro there. You're working with high performers and they're struggling with some issues. Talk about what you mean by the danger zone. Yeah, the danger zone is, so this is in a lot of aspects of life. I feel like you're your awareness around your capacity, what you think is normal, oftentimes is not. And it's it becomes a dangerous thing because your normal, it, for most people, their normal is actually, they're not even close to operating at the level of performance, mental, physical, emotional, that they could. And that becomes their baseline norm. And this is dangerous. 
And it's the danger zone because people don't realize that they're in it until it's too late. When they have, whether it's a cardiac event or their relationship breaks down or their mental health breaks down. And so, so it's a slippery slope and it's sort of the <laughs> floating between just good enough, like getting by. And that's dangerous because it doesn't have, you don't have the awareness or the motivation to do the things to actually, that would make the biggest difference to make the change, to protect you in the long run over the sustainability of your life, of your health. And so it's, that's the danger zone. When, when I read that, I could certainly relate to that personally. I was there in a, you know, 10, 15 years ago. That was the state of my health. But to your point, it was my baseline, right? I didn't know any different. I thought that was normal. Now, it turns out I was far from normal and ended up having a health scare, spent a few days in the hospital, thought I was having a heart attack. I wasn't. But there were all these little things wrong with me. Yes. And I didn't realize it because, like you said, it had just become, quote unquote, normal for me. And I was far from normal at the time, right? Let alone optimized. So I think then before we before we move on and talk a little more specifically about sleep, since this is something that's a baseline, how can people recognize that they're if they're in that danger zone or can they? Yeah, they can. I mean, well, the truth is you can manage what you don't measure. I like to say you can't master what you don't measure. So mm -hmm. now, I mean, we're, we're in this incredible age of quantified self. So there are devices. We use the Aura Ring at Sleep Science Academy specifically because it's the best sleep tracker out. But there's whoop straps. There's, you know, Apple, Apple watches. There's all these different devices that you can gather data, feedback to then understand yourself at a deeper level. Or you could just get a blood test. You know, go get your cholesterol check, get a real functional blood test, not just sort of the basics, like go and really go deep and gather the information because you might, again, you might think that you're healthy. You might think that, you know, it's normal how you feel. You might be very surprised when you actually start to track your blood work, when you start to track your sleep, when you start to look under the hood, so to speak, you might be surprised about what you find. And oftentimes people... There's this, I found there's an underlying fear around even looking because people are afraid that, oh, something is wrong. And then if something's wrong or then I have to make a change. Um, but really, you know, it's, it's so important for if you want to improve any area of life to, to measure it. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you started out mentioning just the wearables that are so ubiquitous these days, right? I, I wear the Whoop. You had mentioned the Aura. And folks, I'll, I'll drop links to both of those in the show notes. You can find that there. Of course, there's Fitbits, there's Apples, and all these different things now. We have, we've never had technology like this before ever. And in fact, it, when it comes to actual sleep, there's now some near medical consumer equipment now. I yes. think Wesper is one that, that kind of works in that space. But how accurate are these? You, you mentioned kind of measuring. Is when it comes to specifically to sleep, how, how helpful and accurate are these devices? You mentioned Aura is the best one. Let's, let's kind of take that. Yeah. So, well, first and foremost, they're not 100% accurate. They're getting better, especially Aura now that they have a, you know, they had a big influx of funding. So their algorithm is getting better. Their, their technology hardware is getting better. That's really across the board with all these companies that have wearable devices. They're improving. And so they're improving fast. So the, the thing that I like people to, to really, connect to is even if they're not 100% accurate, even if it's not as accurate as a sleep lab, it's really, we're never looking at one night. You're really looking at consistency over time, over several nights, over several weeks or months. And as long as the device, whatever you're using is throwing out consistent data, that's really where you can draw conclusions and start to start to see how behavior modification and lifestyle change and diet change and all these different things are affecting you over time. So, so no, they're not. I mean, oh, the aura, I think probably, I think they're up to around 80% accuracy as far, which is, which is a really good, yeah. you know, from where they were, I think they were around maybe like 50 or 60%. And that was just a couple of years ago. And now they're really, and, it, and it's, it's getting better and better. So, but, but again, it really, What's important is is looking at the, con the the consistent data over time. That's really where I think the value is. So we're all we can all be biohackers in this day and age, right? We can we can have this information, and really, it's what we do with it. And I, I love that you had mentioned we can look for baselines and trends because really, that's the value in this, right? 
Yes. Is just watching what happens to that data over time. And the biohacking part comes in where, okay, well, if I do this, if I meditate for 15 minutes before I sleep, what does that do to my my sleep cycles, my HRV, et cetera, et cetera, right? Or if I eat a late dinner or if I drink alcohol right up and close to bedtime, how does that – so we can really start to experiment and see what's happening. But clearly, we can kind of get an idea of are we in a healthy baseline place, right? Are we in that danger zone? So that's that's a great place to start. Okay, thanks for that. Let's Let's go ahead and dig into the topic of hand, and let's kind of start here. What is sleep? What happens when we sleep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so your body seems like it's asleep, but there's actually there's a lot going on. You know, there's so much happens. So so every 90 minutes we go through what's called a sleep cycle. And a sleep cycle consists of different stages of sleep. You know, really you could say stage 1 through 4. And so we get we have light sleep, then we get back down into a little bit of a deeper sleep, then we get into the deeper stage of sleep which is called delta sleep, and then we we pop out into what's called non-REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep. So there's really two different types of sleep. There's, you know, there's REM, so rapid eye movement, and then there's non-REM, which is the other stages. But within each stage, different things are happening from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint. So I like to start with the physical standpoint because that's the first stage of sleep. The first stage of sleep is when most people get most of they're deep sleep, really the first two stages. And if you're doing it right, you're going through four to five cycles. So you know, 90 minutes times four to five, that's between you know seven, eight hours, maybe eight and a half hours, depending on how much sleep you need, what your lifestyle is like. But that first stage of sleep, I mean, the, the, the first sort of quarter of the night, the first two cycles is when you get into delta sleep. And that's when the body is repairing itself. That's when the immune system is most active. That's when the glimpse system, which is the lymph system for the brain, which is pushing out the beta amyloid, the plaque, the tau, the things that build up that create Alzheimer's and dementia. That's when testosterone is being released, growth hormones being released. You can think of that as the physical restorative repairing stage. And that happens again in the really primarily in the first two cycles. And unfortunately, most people do things, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, that kind of disturb that phase of sleep. Um, and then throughout the night, we go through, you come in and out of these different cycles and then REM sleep, rapid eye movement, which is when we're talking about sleep quality, we're talking about Delta deep sleep and REM sleep. That's when really short-term memory is getting shut up to long-term storage or dreaming. And there's a lot of theories on dreaming. One that makes the most sense to me is we're working through the emotional traumas of the day. It's like emotional first aid, if you will. And, you know, dreaming is, is really important. You can come up with creative ideas. You can problem solve in your dreams, but it's really helping process. At least this is the theory that I, I buy into process a lot of the undealt with emotions and things that took place during the day. So what the science shows is when we sacrifice, you know, specifically REM sleep, not only memory is affected, but also emotional health is, is greatly affected. So uh, that was a lot. <laughs> no, that's, ex yeah, but that's exactly what I was looking for, right? Okay. That, kind of the, the idea that there's four stages of sleep. and Because a lot of times we think of sleep, well, sleep is sleep. I fall asleep right. and then I wake up. What's the big deal? But there's a whole lot going on there. And for those of my audience that are really interested in optimizing their nutrition, their performance, their exercise, realizing that really exercise or even say in a calorie deficit, these things are stressors. And it's really when we're sleeping that we're recovering, when yes. we're building to yes. your point. And that's in that deep and delta stages. And then in that, in the REM, we're more consolidating memories, dealing, processing emotions, et cetera. So all really interesting stuff. Now, you talk about you talk about sleep as the foundation of energy and energy is the foundation of life and that's the foundation of health and vitality, right? So do you want to you want to expand on that a little bit? So this, we kind of get the idea, okay, I'm, I'm getting this restorative aspect from sleep. I'm getting the memory consolidation. How does that then translate into energy and vitality and becoming the foundation of our life? Yeah, so from, from a really just, we'll, we'll start here. So, you know, we, we survive a couple of minutes without air couple of days without water, the next most important thing is sleep, then it's food, then it's movement. So I'm going to, it's really important for people to understand that. So from a survival standpoint, sleep actually comes before eating and moving. 
And so it is the foundation that extraordinary health is built and it is the foundation. It's usually the first thing to go for people and it really should be the last because that is when your batteries are charging. It's literally throughout the night, if you're not getting into the deeper stage of sleep, you're not getting enough sleep, your body is not going to repair from the workouts. Your ghrelin and leptin, the hormones that signal being full and, and being hungry, get thrown off. Your cortisol level goes up. So you're storing fat. So you could be eating the right diet. You could be moving and training your body in the, the, ma- the perfect way. But if you're sacrificing your sleep, you know, it's just, you're not going to see the results. Because again, when we look at air, water, sleep, nutrition, then movement, sleep is before nutrition and movement. And it affects those in a a big way. So from a longevity standpoint, it's crucial. I mean, it protects us from every single major disease, every major disease from heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, dementia, all of these major diseases that people die from either get drastically, your chances get drastically reduced when you get consistent sleep and quality sleep or drastically increased when you're sacrificing sleep and you're not getting into these deeper stages of sleep. So it really is, when, when you look at it, it is the foundation of health. And people can, you know, when you really understand how to sort of optimize your sleep, it's amazing because you're asleep for one third of your life. So why not learn how to create an extraordinary one third to make the other two thirds that much better? And that's the opportunity that we get every night. It's, and most people just don't think about it. So they're thinking about the two, the other two thirds and really doing all the things on those. But there's this whole other third that it's like, it's really some simple things that you can do that make those other two thirds that much better. Thanks for sharing that. We talk a lot about sleep on this, on this show, but you know, I'm very fond of saying sleep makes everything better. But to hear you talk about it in those terms, right? Sleep is one third of our life. Why, why would we not want to optimize that? And I love the idea that sleep is, what did you say? It's the foundation of extraordinary health. And that's really what we want, right? Is extraordinary health. So I think a lot of people miss the fact that sleep is just that critical, that important. And I hadn't heard it put that way that it's third in the list of things that we need to survive only after air and water. So you can see how critical sleep is. Now, speaking of criticality of sleep, it turns out, I think that most of us are not, is it fair to say that most of us are not getting the adequate amount of sleep? No, it's really, unfortunately, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but to a mass generalization, most people do not get enough sleep and they, they don't mm-hmm. get enough quality sleep. And it's, if you look at the trends, that's continuing to go in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, now there's a lot of celebrities that are talking about sleep. There's a lot of, you know, incredible star athletes that are talking how about how their sleep routines and how they prioritize. So now it's kind of the culture around sleep's shifting, but sleep used to have be really stigmatized. You, you hear things, you snooze, you lose. I'll sleep when I'm dead. The early bird gets the worm. Yeah. All these things, this hustle culture, especially here in the United States, you know, there's other countries like Spain and like Mexico where they value sleep and play and relaxation and rest and rhythm. Here, it's in the United States, it's a little bit skewed, but things are shifting. And then there's the technology is another big piece why people are not getting enough sleep as far as the phones that have invaded the bedroom, the TV, the the incredible Netflix shows and the amount of not just Netflix, there's Amazon Prime and there's Hulu. And there's like, you know, it's insane the amount of entertainment that's at our fingertips and and the shows are great. The entertainment's great. Plus, everyone is just living this faster life. With technology, things are getting faster. And so all of that to say it's, you know, people are not sleeping as much. They're not sleeping as well just because of the the nature of of the world that we live in. Yeah, the nature of that hustle and bustle. Now, I was going to talk about this later. I think this is a great time to bring this up because you had mentioned the electronics before bed. And I think that's very, very common these days, right? We'll often tell people that it's a part of a healthy sleep routine or sleep hygiene is to get rid of those electronics an hour, an hour and a half before bed. And do you have some, do you have some advice for folks on, or let's back up what's happening? Cause I feel like there's a couple of things going on here, right? There's the stimulation of, of whatever you're, if you're scrolling social media and you're getting triggered or if you're watching some of you, like you said, these, these gripping, thrilling shows, yeah. which we have a near infinite, a variety of, 
what's happening to us there? There's also the blue light. What's causing degradation of sleep and how serious is that? Yeah, I mean, so the the, the bigger issue is actually the hyperarousal that comes along with being on the devices, whether it's social media, checking email or watching a crazy show or people are getting blown up or whatever it is. It's the hyper arousal that creates a response, a physical response in the body that doesn't allow the body to get into that parasympathetic. And then the blue light from these devices sort of turn off the melatonin faucet, melatonin sleep hormone. And so that's really important that we're getting enough melatonin being released at the right times. And because of the blue light, there's a, there's that affects the amount of melatonin that naturally releases from our penile gland and from, you know, so it's, it's twofold and it's really hard for people. This is a big, big thing I hear from people, especially while well, I'm, I'm willing to do it, but my spouse isn't, you know, I'm willing right. to take the TV out, but she is. So what do I do? Or, you know, it's like, it, you're telling me I can't watch any of my shows or I can't, you know, so it's, it really, it's, it's one of these things that you have to really try it on and see what it does and see if making that sacrifice it doesn't have to be every night. You don't have to, there's no such thing as like the perfect sleep routine, but these little things add up over time. And once you start to disconnect from technology and you create a, we call it bed buffer between your day and your night and you have a routine and you know, you're able to allow your mind and body to naturally do what it knows how to do. If you just get out of the way of that happening, your life improves, your sleep improves. You, you're, you, and not only that, you're able to, so if you have a partner, you're, you're able to create the space to connect with your partner versus like just zoning out on the movie or you know, scrolling on your phone. That's, you might be in the same room, but you're not really connected. So there's so many benefits to creating the space and, and boundaries around the technology at the end of the day. 100%. I'm with you. And it is so difficult in our culture today. I, I think the two hardest things, I'm a nutrition coach and a personal trainer, right? So Two of the hardest things we ask our people to do, one is to eat mindfully without electronic distractions. The other is that that electronic curfew at bedtime. Folks really, really yeah. struggle with giving that up. Now, you had mentioned cortisol a little bit earlier, right? We're getting aroused. You had mentioned parasympathetic and sympathetic states, and you mentioned melatonin. Do you want to talk a little bit about circadian rhythms and maybe the relationship between cortisol and melatonin and how that kind of is supposed to work? Yeah. So, so there's really two things that control sleep. So there's a circadian rhythm, which is you can think of as like your body's clock. And we all actually come into this world with something called a chronotype. And an easy way to kind of connect to this is, are you a morning person or are you an evening person? Or sometimes there's people that are actually in between. And so we, this is genetic, right? So there is some genetics that play into this specifically chronobiology. And unfortunately with modern society and with the way things are set up, with most people living in cities, our circadian clocks are not synced with the biorhythms of the earth, with the rising and setting of the sun. So that's unfortunate because it's really important to have that healthy, that clock to be synced. And it's not just, it's every cell in your body actually has a clock, which is fascinating. So the thing is, the more connected you are to the natural rising and setting of the sun, the healthier your sleep schedule is going to be and the healthier the quality of sleep you're going to get. And so getting light at the optimal, the right times, like when the sun is rising, that's a great time to get outside and get some sun. Also, what I found extremely helpful for people, if you can actually watch the sun set, that is extremely beneficial for helping to resync the natural circadian rhythm, as well as turning off half your lights as the sun starts to set. So here's just some easy strategies for people to get. That's it. That one is, is, is one of the easiest is as the sun starts to set, start to turn off half your lights in your home or use candescent lighting. This helps the body stay in more balance as well as getting your feet outside on the ground, which is sounds like hippie stuff, but there's actually real science to grounding. And, and it's that again has been found to help with the circadian clock. And then there's something called sleep pressure. So sleep pressure is the buildup of a neurotransmitter called adenosine. And adenosine builds up throughout the day. And then when we sleep, it gets flushed out. Now, the thing that happens is most people drink coffee or caffeinated beverages. And unfortunately, that blocks adenosine. So it blocks the receptor site of adenosine, which kind of gives you this artificial sort of boost. 
And, you know, the half-life of caffeine is six hours. So it's in our body for at least 12. So anyway, so that's the other system. So the, the circadian clock and then the sleep pressure system, they kind of come together to help regulate sleep. And then, so light and, and, and temperature are also very, you know, very, very important in the interplay of those two systems. Yeah, I think that a lot of people are surprised when we talk about sleep hygiene or some tips for sleeping better. One of the first things I'll say is get out in the morning and walk. Now, how would that help? But again, it goes back to setting that that circadian rhythm. I hadn't heard the tip of actually watching the sunrise, but clearly I can see how that is going to play into our natural circadian rhythm. And then coming back in, dimming lights and kind of getting your body just feeding into that natural circadian rhythm. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about sleep schedules because I think another another tip we often hear is consistent bed and consistent wake times. And I think a lot of people have no problem with that on the weekdays, right? I, my alarm goes off at 6 and I go to bed at 10 or whatever that looks like for them. But then on the weekend, there's a whole different sleep schedule. I stay up a couple hours later. Yeah. I sleep in a little bit later. Are there opportunities for us to optimize sleep or is that really no big deal whether we stay up two, three hours later one day and then different another night. Yeah, Kevin. So it really depends. I mean, a lot of this stuff, it depends on the person. It depends on the other aspects of their lifestyle that they're paying attention to and focused on. And we there's a term for that. It's called social jet lag. And it's where mm-hmm. most people, they spend, you know, Friday night or Saturday night late with friends, hanging out, having a good time, and they're sacrificing their sleep. So really it's consistency that's so important. So if you're really consistent throughout the week and then on the occasional Friday or Saturday night, you know, you go out and you sacrifice that sleep, that's not going to throw your body off that much. It's really, it's what's consistent that counts. But that being said, there are certain people that have more sensitive, they're more sensitive sleepers or just more sensitive people. And that could throw a sensitive, hypersensitive person that could throw them over the edge as well. So like if you're, if you're threshold for stress and you're already kind of, you know, you're at that high sympathetic sort of state already, then that, that could kind of be very detrimental and that could carry over into, you know, multiple nights of, of having continued sleep issues or, or just not as quality of, of, of a night's rest. All right. Well, th- yeah, thanks for sharing that. And certainly I can see how if you're spending a lot of time in that sympathetic state, that flight or fight, and that, that's a lot of us these days with chronic stress, right? That you might be more sensitive to to sleep and wake times and, and variations thereof. And, and I can also see how that might create sort of this downward spiral. Okay, I'm sleeping crappy and then I stay up a couple of hours late that this night and then I'm back to a different sleep schedule here and that yes. causes my sleep to be off. And I, you know, if you've ever been jet lagged, you know, that's not a great feeling. It's kind of a crappy yeah. feeling. And I, yes. I feel like that's why a lot of us, when Monday rolls around, we're just kind of blah, because, well, we've, we stayed up late Friday. We stayed up late Saturday. Maybe we had some behaviors we don't normally do through the week that contributed to that. But Devin, let's transition a little bit. You have a sleep pyramid in your book where you kind of have the base and it's, I, I think it's your anxiety about sleep is at the base. And then you kind of move up through there. Can you can you take a little bit for a minute and talk to our folks about the sleep pyramid and what that is? Yeah. So, so this is something after working with really thousands of people that have intense, very intense insomnia and understanding that there's there's different aspects. Every aspect of our life affects our sleep. And what most people tend to do is they focus on the physical aspects first. So they'll look at their sleep environment. So maybe they'll get a new mattress or they'll, you know, make their room cold and dark or they'll, you know, this is sleep hygiene, which absolutely can help with the quality of sleep. But if you have a real sleep issue, it's not going to solve the sleep issue. So that's more at the top of the pyramid. So it's, you know, supplements at the very top. And that's another thing that most people go to first. They're looking at, okay, let me, the quick fix, let me take the melatonin, let me take the magnesium or the CVD or whatever it is. And again, they're more at the top. It's not, it'll make a little bit of a difference, but it's not going to make the biggest difference. And really what makes the biggest difference is what we call the psychological element of sleep, which is in the interplay of stress and sleep. And, the, and that's at the base. And so really the reason why this is so important for people to understand is because stress and sleep are bi-directionally linked, meaning the more stress you experience, the less rest you experience, 
The less rest you experience, the more stress you experience. And so this is the loop that most people find themselves on. And then what happens is people start to get anxiety about their sleep. And now their body is in a, in a subtle or maybe sometimes not so subtle state of fight or flight. Now, whether some people operate from this state all day long for years and they're not aware of it. Again, they're in the danger zone. They don't realize that their body, they're never really shifting totally into that parasympathetic relaxation state. They're not prioritizing rest. So at the base of the pyramid, really people need to understand that it's often the psychological stressors that will, when we deal with the psychological stressors and we get the tools and support to do that, that that will actually make the biggest difference. Yes, as we move up the other, you know, the pyramid, nutrition, exercise, movement, hydration, all of these other things that affect the physiology of the body are also really important. Um, but we, we like to take the approach of first addressing this psychology, addressing the stress, then look at the physiology, then look at the environment. That's really, and most people, what they do is they look at their environment, then maybe they start to make some changes on the physiology, but they totally just don't understand or get the proper support to address the psychology of sleep. So, so we, we kind of inverted that and we do psychology, physiology, environment. And that's really, I mean, it, I'm not breaking it exactly down into how the pyramid is in the book, but and in essence, that's really where people should focus is look at the psychological things that are creating the most stress in your life. Then look at the physiology. How are you eating? Are you hydrated? Are you moving your body correctly? Are you, you know, creating space in your day? And then also look at your environment. And, and then there is, there is a role for supplementation. You know, if you're deficient in vitamin D, if you're deficient in magnesium, with, which most people are, even people that are healthy, that are getting sunlight, just our soils depleted. You know, there is there is a place for supplements, but to think that a supplement is going to be the silver bullet for your sleep is erroneous. And it's not. As you focus through the this framework, then at the end, at the very top of the pyramid, then you can start to use some of these and they, and they can make a difference. No, I, I think that was one of the most impactful parts of the book was looking at that sleep pyramid. And I know for myself personally, I, I focus a lot on that environment, a, a little bit on the supplements, but mostly that environment. And I hadn't really thought about, and I focus a lot on the physiological as well, right? That's kind of my jam. Yes. But I hadn't really gone to that psychological part, which is that base. And if you've got that stress, and like you said, that stress and, and sleep are so interrelated. And again, that can be that downward spiral. I'm not getting enough sleep, which is Raising my cortisol, causing me to be in that flight or fight and that, that stressed out state, which then degrades my sleep. And exactly to your point, people can go on for years like that. And that's not, that's definitely the danger zone, right? So as opposed to, like you said, you kind of flip that upside down. I think most people, when they think about poor sleep, the first thing they think of is either medication or supplementation. Yes. So we'll go ahead and start at the top of the pyramid. I, I want to break down a few more of these other areas, but let's start at the top since that seems to be the most common. Now, you had mentioned a couple of the big ones, right? There's there's ZMA, there's magnesium, there's vitamin D, there's certainly melatonin. CBD seems to be really big right now. In terms of moving the needle, where, where's the biggest bang for the buck in this? Is it super personal? Is it is there some blanket statements we can say about some of these things? And are we looking at the 0.01% of, of change here, or is this maybe a 5% kind of yeah. change? How much? Yeah, yeah, it really depends on somebody's, again, somebody's lifestyle, their bio-individuality. I would say as mm -hmm. blanket statements, most people are deficient in vitamin D and also magnesium. So those are, you know, get, get a blood test, easy. You see, hey, am I deficient yeah. in one of these? If you are, supplementing with them is a good idea, and it also will, will help. But it's, you know, what difference that'll actually make is it depends on so many other factors. You know, if somebody is not eating the right foods, they're not managing their stress, they're, and then they're taking, you know, vitamin D supplement and a magnesium supplement and CBD, it's not, that's not going to be, that's not yeah. going to move the needle. But if right. somebody's dialed in and they're eating really good foods, clean foods, right time, they're managing their stress, they're moving their bodies, connected in relationships that are healthy, you know, they're kind of checking off these other boxes that support our health. And then they also are deficient magnesium or vitamin D. Okay. And now they're supplementing with that. And maybe they're throwing in something else like maybe a GABA or an L-theanine or some kava or something else that can sort of support that. 
then yeah, it could be like a 5% increase. And I've seen that happen for people, but that really only happens when you're kind of taking care of all the other stuff. If you're, if you're so, so it's really important for people to understand that. I mean, as humans, we always kind of want to take shortcuts and Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's sort of, it's just our nature to do things, to try to make things easier and we're, we're overwhelmed. So most people will just go for the quick fix, but really focusing on all that, all that other stuff, and then looking at, okay, now what type of supplements would maybe be appropriate here based off of, again, your blood work. And there are certain, you know, depending on also your situation. So like, you know, do you have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep? There's certain herbs and things that are maybe better for, for either one of those situations. And, and, and really the quality of the supplements that's a whole other conversation. Sure I mean, yeah, it is because you could be taking something and oftentimes it's, it's just not what it, you think it is. So it's not going to be effective. So making sure that you're getting a good quality supplement, making sure that it's something that you need. And then it's also maybe throwing in some other things that could support you where you're deficient in. Maybe you have a very high stress job. So something like ashwagandha would be great. Or maybe, you know, you have a hard time winding down so you're looking for something that's a little bit more like a sedative like kava oil like a high quality kava oil would be fantastic which would build up the GABA system in the brain that gets depleted from you know from stress or maybe taking some some other antidepressant medication or or what have you so there's a lot of things there it really just depends on the person yeah it it really depends and and thank you for sharing all that with us and that that's kind of what i wanted to get out i've been on a multi-year journey to improve my sleeps. And I tell people I've been working on my sleep. And it sounds kind of weird to say it that way, but I, I really have. I've been working on improving my sleep. And a lot of that came through the what we're going to talk about further down in the pyramid. But I did find, I, I actually, in my case, I did a hair test, came back. I was very, very magnesium deficient. So in my case, I did a little bit of research. I found a magnesium supplement. It's got three quality types of magnesium. It's got the GABA and the L-theanine. And it, for me, I found that to be very impactful, right? Yeah. So I guess before we leave supplements, there are a couple other things I want to talk to you about. And the first one is alcohol. So a lot of people will use alcohol in this capacity, right? It's the end of the day. I'm all wound up and the alcohol helps me wind down and they'll tell you it helps me fall asleep or it helps me sleep. Now, alcohol doesn't help you sleep, might help you fall asleep perhaps or pass out. No, Talk to us a little little bit about alcohol and its effect on sleep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a sedative. So it actually can help you fall asleep, but unfortunately what it does is it heats the body up and it pulls you out of the deeper stages of sleep. It's also a diuretic. So you're going to be dehydrated. And we, we lose, Kevin, a liter of water throughout the night through respiration and sweat. So the last thing you want to do is doing something right before bed that's going to dehydrate you. Alcohol is a toxin. You know, there are benefits if you're drinking biodynamic organic wine that has, you know, resveratrol in it and Maybe a very high quality tequila or something like that. That's not so much of a depressant or a really premium sake that doesn't have histamines in it. So there are better choices here. But but at the end of the day, alcohol is is going to disturb REM sleep specifically, which is a really important stage of sleep. That's where you know again, that's really what affects our memory and and our ability to learn and make good decisions. And I know this personally for me, like on the on the occasion where I have an alcoholic beverage and I'm making good decisions on the quality, it does affect my sleep. And I could see it in my data and I could feel it. And sometimes I still make the decision to do it because it's enjoyable to be out and, you know, have a glass of wine or a nice tequila and relax a little bit. But it's really if you're using it consistently to to sort of manage your stress or as a sedative, then that's the danger zone. You're in the danger zone. And we've I've seen full blown people become alcoholics because of they're using alcohol for sleep and then it becomes a dependency which is which is really dangerous so not not the best solution to uh, to use alcohol for 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 improving your sleep 100% with you there and anybody who has any kind of wearable you know or you don't even need a wearable right we we know no, you don't i mean you, drink a lot. Yeah. you wake up the next day you feel like crap right and part of that yeah you do part of that is contributing factor is that crappy night's sleep you just got right not going exactly. through those through those 90-minute cycles that we're supposed to. Now, the next one I want to ask you about, because CBD has been very, very popular lately, and now with THC being legalized in more and more states, 
What about marijuana? What about specifically THC? So we see people that also use this in a similar capacity. I, I'm stressed. I'm wound up. I, yeah. I use it because it calms me down. It helps me sleep. Yay or nay on that one? Yeah. So so here's the thing about it. So the, the studies that I've seen and read show that it, unfortunately, THC disturbs REM sleep. Again, same kind of stage that alcohol disturbs. So I think I think using certain strands of THC and again, certain qualities with CBD and, you know, the endocannabinoid system, there's a lot of different, you know, different things to be said about that. And, and, and I think there's a lot of benefits to supplementing with high quality CBD and even sometimes using THC. But as far as when it comes to sleep, it's not ideal. It's really a band-aid approach and I would, and it's not something that you want to rely on. And if, if you're using it to manage stress again, once in a while, Okay, just like alcohol, anything, you know, it's, it's, it's in moderation. But again, if it's consistent and you're like, I need to smoke or I need to vape or I need to take this pill or whatever to, to sleep, then that's a sign that there's something out of balance. And, you know, it's really important to look at, well, what's, what's having you feel like you need this specific substance to, to sleep? And that's really, yeah, that's what we, that's what we help people on is, is really right. showing I mean, them. That's, that's what you do, right? Yes. That's that base. We're coming, we keep coming back to the base of your pyramid there, yes. don't we? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. If you, if you tackle that, you won't have the need for those things. Now, last thing before we leave supplements, what about all the medication, either over the counter or prescription? A lot of yeah. people say, well, I, I take a, I, you know, I, I take this medicine and you hear these nightmare stories about some of the prescription stuff people are taking and what happens, but what does that do to, to our healthy sleep cycles. Yeah, and let me, let me start off. I'm not. This is. I'm not giving medical advice here. But so, so first and foremost, I actually. There, I think there is a time and a place for some of these medications. the The challenge is they're really meant to be short term solutions, and unfortunately, because some of them are habit forming, they become long term solutions. Like we worked with people that have been on, you know, ten different sleeping medications over a thirty year period, and some sometimes on one specifically for several years, when really they only should be really be prescribed for several weeks, not years. And so a lot of them, funny enough, even on the inserts, they, the a side effect of, of is insomnia. And so th there's a lot of dangers uh, specifically, you know, correlated to, to cancer and, and, uh, and dementia and Alzheimer's with a lot of these medications. Some of them are better than others, but it's not something that you want to continually take. Again, it's a Band-Aid. And there is a time and a place for that, as long as you're, again, addressing the underlying root cause and then starting to understand how to come off those medications as soon as possible, because they are, you know, they're toxic. So, so yeah, so that, that's, that's sort of my, where I, where I stand with medication. I'm not anti-medication. It's just, right. it's, it's not the solution. And as much as pharmaceutical Not the long-term solution. Certainly. No, it's yeah. not. We're, we're it's not. We're not curing the, the sleep problem, right? We're band-aiding something, which is pretty common in our in our medical system. It today, is pretty common for but, yes. Yeah. It's it's a sh I mean, I I could tell you, I talked to a guy, I talked to people, I mean, all over the world that have really challenging sleep issues. And some of the stories these people tell me, one guy took MDN and woke up in jail, had no recollection of anything that he did. He got yeah. in his car, drove down the street, he was asleep. And he, a cop pulled him over. He was just stopped at a stoplight, like just sitting there, not moving because he was, he was asleep. And the cop arrested him, brought him into jail. They fingerprinted him to put him whole thing. He woke up in jail and had no idea. He w went to sleep in his bed. He woke up in jail, literally. And so yeah. that should tell you, I mean, these medications, it's, it's like, you know, really they should be your last resort, not your first. Yeah, that's well said. Last resort, certainly not your go-to. Okay. So thank you for sharing all that. I, I did want to start with supplements just because it seems to be where most of us go. And to your point, that's that's the easiest fix. And so that's probably why we're attracted to that. I feel like we pretty well covered sleep environments, right? You had mentioned, hey, let's let's look for a cool, dark space. Let's let's make sure we have consistent sleep and and wake times and uh, let's try and Get those lights dimmed before, as as the light outside is dimming. Let's dim the inside lights a little bit. Let's try and get those electronic distractions under control. I'm personally a really big fan of having some sort of a, a pre-sleep routine. For me, that's prayer. So I have this very specific, basically a gratitude practice. The last thing I do before I fall asleep, and that just kind of conditions my body. Okay, this is what happens. Mm. This and then sleep, right? So 
there's some tips for environment. And I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the physiology piece of that, because really that's yeah. kind of the place where I play, right? The, the exercise, the nutrition, the hydration, all that. Let's start with the sleep and nutrition. How does nutrition play into the quality of our sleep? It plays into it in a lot of ways. Not only it's what you eat, it's also when you eat it. So, and the reason for that is you don't want to go to bed on a, with a full stomach. You really want a three-hour fasting window before you go to sleep because, again, the first two cycles of sleep, you get into the delta deep stages, those physical repair. That's when the cancer cells, you know, autophagy is happening. Your body's removing all the damaged cells. You don't want your body or the blood being diverted to your stomach to digest your food while that process, while your body's trying to do all these other things. Making sure that you have a three to even sometimes a four hour fasting window would drastically improve the specific and important stage of delta deep sleep. And so, so that's the when, right? So when now, as far as what you eat, I mean, really depending on your bio individual self, your training, you know, there's so many factors and so many theories and so many different sort of philosophies on this. I'm in a standpoint of what's what's good for your health is good for your sleep. So if you can find a diet that supports your lifestyle, that's obviously clean and, and ideally it's something that's not putting an extra toxic load onto your system and your digestion is is in a good place, then it's you're you're going to see a difference in your sleep. Like if you have specifically digest, you know, food, if you're eating food that's causing digestive discomfort because there's a big link between your gut and your brain <laughs> and mm. the whole process of melatonin being released and stress and you know leaky gut and all that. So I've seen a lot of times when people heal and seal their gut, their sleep improves. And the quickest and best way to do that is obviously through avoiding certain things and also incorporating certain things into your diet. But that's, those are some of the things that I've seen specifically for, for nutrition and connection to, to sleep improvement. Yeah. So we talk a lot about avoiding ultra processed foods, right? Yeah. And excess sugar and added sugar, things, things of that nature. Clearly caffeine has to be a Yes. We don't want to have caffeine after the morning for reasons you've, obvious reasons you've already kind of covered that. So yeah, I, I think the sugar, a lot of times to your point, you look at these things like dairy and wheat are a couple of the biggest triggers and people, again, if they're in the danger zone, they may not know that that's tearing their gut up because that's their exactly. baseline. And exactly. so folks that I'm a big, big fan of self-experimentation and, and try an, ex, an elimination diet, take dairy out for 30, yes. 60 days, just see how you feel and put it, bring it back in gradually and see what changes that makes, not just to your gut, but to your to your sleep, if you're wearing an aura or some kind of wearable, right. what happens to your HRV and your resting heart rate and all these other things, right? So big, big fan of that because again, your baseline is your baseline. You don't know what you don't know and yes. you can find some surprising things out there. And then certainly eating nutrient-dense whole foods is just right. a prescription for better life exactly. overall. I can't imagine that's not a good prescription for sleeping better as well. Yeah, All exactly. Right. I mean, that's and the, to your point too, making sure that the food that you're eating, you don't have sensitivities to. So for instance, yeah. I'll give you an, for instance, for me, I have a slight allergy to raw garlic and onions. So if mm -hmm. I have even a little bit of raw garlic or onions, my nervous system actually has a physical response and that affects my sleep. So like I can tell, like I have, it's, it's, you know, I'm a pretty sensitive person. I'm very in tune. I've done a lot of work on myself to sort of create awareness around th things. Some people maybe don't have that yet, but the more you kind of fine tune your, your system, your sort of your body, the more aware you become of these little sensitivities, but you also could get a sensitivity test and see, oh, am I sensitive to, to soy or eggs or wheat or dairy or these are the big ones that most people have yeah. issues with. And, you know, if you're eating a lot of something that's creating inflammation in your body, you want to definitely change that. And you'll see it, a big difference in your sleep. And, and for, for the dairy conversation, a lot of times people have like sinus issues and it's yeah, linked mucus, to right. th their yeah. gut. It's linked to your gut yeah. because you're eating too much dairy, you're inflamed. And, and I used to have that, like, you know, I, you can't breathe throughout the night. And, you know, it's really important that you're, you're breathing through your nose while you're asleep, you don't want to be a mouth breather right. for a lot of different reasons. We could talk about that. But um, so, so yeah, so really doing like a, a real 
discovery on what foods work for your unique body is valuable when it comes to sleep and, and vice versa. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. All right. What about, what about hydration? I yeah. think probably most of us are chronically underhydrated. What, how does hydration affect our sleep? Yeah. So, so like I said, we, we lose a liter, about a liter through respiration and sweat, which if you've, I mean, a liter is a lot, a lot of water. That's a considerable amount of water. Yeah. It's considerable amount. It's not a small amount. And so, and that, you know, you're, you think about it, you're in bed, if you're doing it right, eight hours. So maybe you're not asleep eight hours and you're asleep seven or seven and a half hours. But, you know, so that you're, you're waking up in a dehydrated state. So hydration is really important. First thing in the morning, making sure you just start to hydrate. And then you want to taper off the hydration throughout the end of the day, because obviously you don't want to be overhydrated and then you're waking up to go to the restroom. And that's a huge thing, especially for men as, as, as we age, you know, the prostate and people wake up and then their mind starts racing and now they're up for hours or they can't get back to sleep. So you want to start to taper off your liquids. So front load your hydration. And I like supplementing with electrolytes and making sure that you're getting like living water, clean water. That's not you know, just like from a plastic bottle, you know, the highest quality water you can go at. Like I personally love Aquapana. It comes in a glass. It's just, it tastes amazing. My body feels like it just absorbs it, but getting really good quality water, making sure that you have that, that water has electrolytes in it. It's not loaded with fluoride or chlorine. Like in here in Florida, the water tastes like pool water, tastes like chlorinated pool water. So making sure that you get a filter for the water that you're drinking because you don't want to start hydrating up and then just be like bogging down your liver, trying to process like iron and, and chlorine and f- fluoride. So, so anyway, so yeah, front load your hydration, start as soon as you wake up and, and taper it off the end of the day. Yeah. I love that. I love that advice. I love the idea of trying to find quality water because a lot of us also take that for granted as well. I love the idea that you mentioned a quality electrolytes, right? Especially if you're eating a mostly whole foods diet. I, I personally use, I think it's LMNT as yeah, packets yep. of electrolytes. I, yes. But you, it could just be a pinch of sea salt, but something along those lines, right? To help with that hydration. And then another thing I'd, I like to tell people is just take your body weight, divide it in half. And that's about how many ounces you should be drinking a exactly. day. And I think people probably have seen me many a time with my Hydro I hydroflask, I carry it everywhere I go. And I know, yeah, exactly. You've got one there. If I drain three of those a day, I'm on track. So a great way just to kind of keep, make sure that you're on top of your hydration game. All right. Last, but certainly not least, I, I would suppose for sleep is sleep hygiene and sleep quality would be exercise. Does exercise play a part and movement play a part in healthy sleep? I got to imagine it does, right? Um, tremendously. And for, for, for many reasons, the first reason is because it's a tremendous way of releasing tension, also known as stress from the body. And again, if your body's stressed, it's not going to rest. So exercising and moving your body is, is the quickest way that you can move tension or pressure or, or stress in the body, out of the body. So adding stress paradoxically actually releases stress. So there's that. And Really, I mean, again, what's good for your health is going to be good for your sleep. Now, the, the challenge is with exercise is, is if you're exercising too close to bedtime, because what this does is, remember we talked about earlier about the body temperature and the body needs to drop two to three degrees Fahrenheit for sleep to happen. So if you are running an hour before bed or you're lifting weights an hour before bed, you're actually heating up your body and it's going to take more time for that core body temperature to drop for then sleep to be induced. So, you know, so that's, so timing is, is important. Exercise and also the form of that, of exercise that you do is also really important because sometimes I think people over-exercise, they over-train, they do the wrong types of exercise that's adding too much stress to their already stressed body. And so understanding, you know, I call it a personal movement plan. It's like a uh, 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 designed for your specific body, where you are in your lifestyle and doing it consistently and working with a qualified professional is worth its weight in gold. So you can find that plan for yourself. And that, that's going to evolve as you evolve and that's going to change as you change and grow and age. And it's important to know what you're doing and you're, you're moving your body in a good way. And it, it, it makes a difference. 
Yeah, I love that you talk about having a personalized movement plan. And here we talk a lot about restoring metabolism and optimizing metabolism. And that sh that drives your movement plan, your exercise plan, where you are in, in terms of your metabolism is it broken. Is it or is it optimized? Is it humming along? Those are two different people with two different needs nutritionally and movement plan wise. So I, I certainly that resonates, makes a lot of sense. So having a well thought out movement plan will clearly again, it goes back to I think we keep coming back to this. What's good for your overall health is good for your sleep, right? It is. It's funny because people and people tend to like try to disconnect that and mm -hmm. you can't because what you know, so it's it's everything. It's holistic. So what you know, what you do during the day is going to affect your night and then your night's going to affect the next day. So it's not there's no separation between your day and your night. And so whatever you do during your day, like I, I always say a great night of sleep starts as soon as you wake up because what you do throughout the entire day dictates whether or not you're going to be able to get a great night of sleep that night. So you really can't separate sleep from, from anything else and sleep does affect everything else. So it's, and again, if it's, it's something that we, we all get to do every day. So why not figure out how to you know, pull these levers so that you can have these other aspects of life just be more enjoyable, easier, and see better results. I love it. I, I just love the, the that a great night's sleep starts the moment you wake up. I've never heard that before, but I think we're going to leave it there because that is some sound sound advice for us. So, Devin, as we're wrapping up here, what's next for you? What's on the horizon? Oh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, so we're we're in the process of uh, so growing the company, Sleep Science Academy. So we're more people, and we're, so we're quickly we're hiring people and, and and scaling the company right now to be able to help more people. So that's that's what's exciting. Nice. And then rolling out some interesting sleep retreats. This is probably a two year project creating these optimized sleep cabins. I'm not going to say more because the secret project nice. where people okay. can come and and really understand how big of an impact sleep actually makes when they're in a, in the right environment with the right tools and techniques and, and a support. So, so that's in the works as well. Yeah. Those are, those are the things I'm most excited about right now. Yeah. It certainly sounds exciting. We've got a lot going on. All right. Well, we mentioned that in the intro that the book is the sleep advantage, optimize your night to win your day. And Devin, how can people connect with you? How can they get in touch with you and learn more? So Sleep Science Academy for those people that are struggling with their sleep and then, you know, Devin Burke Wellness on the uh, social social accounts, Instagram and YouTube and all that. Right on. And I'll make sure I put links to all of that as well as everything we talked about today into the show notes. You folks can find that there. Devin, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all of your knowledge and your wisdom with us. And I really encourage you to keep up the great work. I think we need more of the, the kind of work you're doing here, this holistic approach to health. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. Okay, that's our show for today, folks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I want to let you know that we have other free resources over at silveredgefree.com. There you'll find our free guides with our top tips on nutrition, exercise and healthy lifestyle to assist you in your weight loss and fitness journey. So feel free to head over there and download anything that looks useful to you. I'll put links to everything we talked about in the show notes, and you can find that over at silveredgefitness.com slash 166. As we wrap up our time together today, you can show your support for this show in two important ways. One is to tell a friend about this podcast and encourage them to give it a listen. The second is for you YouTube folks to click the like and subscribe buttons and for you podcast folks to consider giving this podcast a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on and be sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future episodes. I really appreciate you spending your time with me today and until next time, stay strong. <laughs>